Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today's Thursday, December 5th, and Pamela Silva. These are today's headlines. A historic day in Washington, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi announcing the House will move forward with articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump. Gunfire erupts at Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Officials say a U.S. sailor shot and killed two before turning the gun on himself. And new details on a controversial new government idea to take picture of every single person coming in and out of the United States. This and much more today on You News, recorded live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin today on Capitol Hill, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announcing this morning she's asking the chairman of the House committees to proceed with drafting articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump. She says Trump has abused his power three times and his actions have seriously violated the Constitution. Janet Rodriguez joins me from Washington, D.C. Janet, what else did Pelosi say this morning? Pamela, she says that there is no other way forward but to go ahead and redact those articles of impeachment, that this is the only way because the evidence is irrefutable. And she does believe that the president abused his power and he also obstructed the procedures in Congress. And these are two offenses that are impeachable. Let's listen to Leader Pelosi. The president's actions have seriously violated the Constitution especially when he says and acts upon the belief. Article 2 says I can do whatever I want. No. His wrongdoing strikes at the very heart of our Constitution, a separation of powers, three co-equal branches, each a check and balance on the other. Now, the articles of impeachment have to be drafted by the Judiciary Committee. They will be working on this on Monday. They do have a hearing where they will listen to the counsels, the lawyers that have been interviewing the witnesses for the past few weeks, and they will hear from the counsels as to what it is that they recommend they move forward with. But now we know that the leader wants to see those articles of impeachment written as soon as possible. Pamela? And Janet, we do, do we have any reaction from the White House as of now? Yes, the White House has reacted. The president himself has reacted as well. He's saying that he's being impeached for nothing, that he has done nothing wrong. The White House just sent a press release basically saying that Democrats in Congress have clearly abused their power. They have lied to the American people and have made a mockery of the law. And leaders in Congress, especially the minority Republican leader in the House, reacted as well. This is what he had to say. Today with the speaker announcement she has weakened this nation it was not new news they always had this pre-written timeline from the day they got sworn in and the president has said that if he's going to be impeached to make it quick but he believes that republicans in the senate will have his back and he will ultimately not be impeached and taken out of power back to you thank you janice so much for that report now, Pelosi's statements come on the heels of yesterday's public hearing in the House Judiciary Committee. Four scholars answering questions and presenting their analysis of what the Constitution says regarding impeachment. Three concluding that the president abuses power. The fourth saying more evidence is needed to move forward. Lorraine Cassidy has all the details from that angle. 
More than six hours of testimonies and Democrats are now ready to draft articles of impeachment. On Wednesday, four scholars from some of the country's most prestigious universities giving lawmakers their expert opinions on whether the president abused the power of his office. For some, the evidence is straightforward. I cannot help but conclude that this president has attacked each of the Constitution's safeguards against establishing a monarchy in this country. If this committee and this House fail to act, then you're sending a message to this president and to future presidents that it's no longer a problem if they abuse their power. It's no longer a problem if they invite other countries to interfere in our elections. But for others, like Professor Turley of Georgetown University, Democrats have conducted a, quote, fast and narrow investigation, cautioning them that if they don't investigate further, the case will collapse in the Senate. The problem is not that abuse of power can never be an impeachable offense. You just have to prove it, and you haven't. It's not enough to say, I infer this was the purpose. Accusing them of impeaching President Trump in record Obama time there. for refusing to turn over the evidence they are requesting instead of letting the courts decide what information the president today. should provide. I can't emphasize this enough, and I'll say it just one more time. If you impeach a president, if you make a high crime and misdemeanor out of going to the courts, it is an abuse of power. It's your abuse of power. You're doing precisely what you're criticizing the president for doing. The hearing plagued with awkward moments like California Representative Tom McClintock asking the witnesses who they voted for. I have you a may, right to cast a Excuse me, you may ask the question. Right, well, let me rephrase the question. How, how many of you supported it? for the moment. The gentleman may ask the question. The witnesses don't have to respond. How uh, many of you supported Donald Trump in 2016? Show of hands. Not, Thank you. not raising our hands Perfect. is not Professor. an indication of an answer, sir. In another moment, Professor Carlin making a comment that sparked immediate backlash. The Constitution says there can be no titles of nobility. So while the president can name his son Baron, he can't make him a Baron. That when you invoke the president's son's name here, when you try to make a little joke out of referencing Baron Trump, that does not lend credibility to your argument. It makes you look mean. The first lady responding on Twitter saying a child deserves privacy and should be kept out of politics, telling Professor Carlin she should be ashamed of her angry and obviously biased public pandering and using a child to do it. Before the hearing ended, Professor Carlin taking a moment to apologize for her comments. If I can just say one Please. thing, um, I want to apologize for uh, what I said earlier about the president's son. It was wrong of me to do that. I wish the president would apologize, obviously, for the things that he's done that's wrong, but I do regret having said that. The next House Judiciary Committee hearing will be held on Monday after articles of impeachment are drafted. The committee will vote on whether to refer them to a full House. If they're approved, they'll go to the House floor where a simple majority is needed to formally impeach President Trump. Back to you, Pamela. So the size of days coming up. Thank you, Lorraine. Now, joining me via Skype is Richard Barbero, an associate professor of political science at SUNY Oneonta. Rich, it's indeed a crucial next step. Democrats need to figure out what the articles of impeachment will be. Did we get a hint yesterday on what or how they may proceed? I think that we did. Uh, the, the way that the, the committee was going at this yesterday, the reason that they brought in uh, those legal scholars was that they're trying to look at the range of possibilities for 
the articles uh, of impeachment. But you could tell from the way that the testimony uh, transpired yesterday that they're likely looking for a, a narrow way to uh, draw up these articles of impeachment with the hopes of thinking about the politics of passing this in the House of Representatives. Nancy Pelosi's caucus has uh, quite a number of uh, m- uh, members who are vulnerable in the upcoming elections in 2020. So uh, from what I think we could see yesterday is that they're looking to, to find a way uh, to draft these articles so that they are going to be palatable to uh, the, the majority of the caucus and be able to pass uh, fairly easily. Richard, you mentioned Speaker Pelosi, and she said that this isn't about politics, it's about the Constitution, but isn't the impeachment process political by design? It is, uh, but we think about politics as uh, a very adversarial game in many ways, and there is a, a very strong element of this in impeachment. There, there's no other way that it could be anything but that. But if we also think about politics as the, the struggle between institutions, I think that's a very important part of what the speaker's trying to get across. Uh, if we go back to the 1970s and we think about uh, looking at the presidency as an imperial presidency, as many scholars uh, tried to describe it, this is really, in many ways, about Congress trying to push back against the encroachment of the presidency. Not this particular president, necessarily, but of the presidency into the prerogatives and the powers of Congress itself. Now let's focus on the numbers, Richard, because it seems that the Democrats will have the votes to impeach the president, and Trump says he just wants a fair trial in the Senate. What would a Senate trial look like exactly? Well, the, 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 the framework for a Senate trial really goes back uh, to the, the 1860s, and it's been updated, of course, uh, with the impeachment, impeachment rather of Bill Clinton. So there's a template out there for the, the basics of how the, the trial would commence. And we would have managers from the House uh, bringing the, the, the prosecution, really, against uh, President Trump. And we would have the president's counsel defending him against those charges with the chief justice of the United States sitting there uh, as, as the uh, 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 you know, overseeing the, these, these proceedings uh, in much the way that Americans are familiar with how a trial uh hands out in in many of the dramas that we've seen on TV or that we're familiar with in other ways. And it's highly unlikely that the president will be convicted in this trial. Uh, But the opportunity that the president sees in this is a political one where he believes that he can make some progress with the American public to say that this impeachment is indeed a farce and something that should have never been perpetrated against him. But by going forward and asking for uh, the testimony of people like Hunter Biden, for example, it does open the, the president up to bringing in witnesses that won't be all that helpful for him. So this is likely to have a number of unforeseen consequences for the president. And this might be uh, wishful thinking on his part that this is actually going to pan out in a way that is going to be uh, uh helpful to him in the long run. And Richard, to finalize this, a new poll finds that the public really hasn't moved much in impeachment. 57% of Americans still think President Trump committed an impeachable offense. And it sounds like the public testimony has actually hardened people's views instead of changing them. Is that surprising to you? Uh, In some ways it is, if you think about uh, what I had said earlier about this being an, an institutional struggle. But our politics really has devolved in many ways into personalities, in a very adversarial, aggressive way. 
And it, it's clear from looking at public opinion polling that people's uh, understanding or their perception of this president have hardened a long time ago. And to see anything change in a radical way from what has already been kind of cast in stone uh, would be surprising at this point. Well, thank you so much, Professor Richard Barbieri, live from New York. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much. Meanwhile, thank you, meanwhile, Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal attorney, a key figure in this impeachment inquiry, traveling overseas, reportedly meeting with former Ukrainian prosecutors. And Gnesa Daza has more details on that. Rudy Giuliani adding to his resume, former mayor, lawyer to the president, and now documentarian. At a time when some of his international associates are being investigated and his work for the president is part of the impeachment hearings, the New York Times reports Giuliani is in Hungary and Ukraine shooting a television project. In a two-part exclusive, Rudy Giuliani debunks the impeachment hoax. One American News, a conservative TV outlet, confirming to ABC News that Giuliani is in Europe right now, taping part three of their special. The documentary, an attempt to undercut the impeachment hearings, featuring former Ukrainian prosecutors, some who have been accused of corruption and have promoted misleading or baseless claims about Joe Biden and his son Hunter. All of it part of Giuliani's year-long crusade focused on Ukraine, which critics have slammed as political dirty work for the president and feeding conspiracy theories. Giuliani says he's helping the president root out corruption in Ukraine. And that's why I started it. And the president of the United States, I can tell you this, is asking for this. But Democrats and even some members of the Trump administration say the real goal for Giuliani and President Trump was a quid pro quo with Ukraine. Key military aid if the country announced corruption investigations, including into the president's political rival, Joe Biden. Carolina Sarasa, U News. Thank you, Carolina. In other political news, the House of Representatives is cracking down on those annoying robocalls. The House approved a bill called the Trace Act to crack down on those who spam Americans with automated calls. Fines will be up to $10,000 per robocall, and the vote was overwhelming. 417 to just three opposed. Over 54 billion robocalls have been placed this year, up from 6 billion last year, according to UMail a call blocking service. The Trace Act would also require telecom companies to provide new technologies to protect the integrity of caller ID. Also, the bill forces telecom companies to offer robocall blocking features to consumers for free. Supporters of the bill say they hope President Donald Trump will sign it by the end of this year. And our former president, Jimmy Carter, is out of the hospital after being admitted over the weekend. The 95-year-old will continue to recover from a urinary tract infection at his home in Plains, Georgia. Carter has been in and out of the hospital several times since October. He has beaten brain and liver cancer previously and so volunteers in his free time. And now to another major story we're tracking, a deadly shooting at Pearl Harbor just days before the 78th anniversary of the attack there. A sailor opening fire, killing two civilian workers, wounding a third before turning the gun on himself. 
overnight, a deadly shooting at Pearl Harbor. An active duty sailor opening fire the historic naval base at shipyard, shooting three civilian contractors before turning the gun on himself. Two of those workers were killed, and one 36-year-old man is recovering this morning at Queens Medical Center in Honolulu. Reports of a shooting at the joint base Pearl Harbor-Hickam began at approximately 2.30 Wednesday afternoon. Authorities say within minutes, the base went into lockdown and shelter in place. Joint base Pearl Harbor security personnel uh, were on the scene within minutes. HPD also responded. Jasper Williams says he was sitting at his desk nearby and witnessed the rampage. I looked out in time to see the shooter who was, I assume he was a sailor because he was in uniform. I'm kind of thinking they might have been engineers based on the color of the hardhats. Police are not releasing the identities of the victims and shooter, but say the shooter is a Navy sailor assigned to the USS Columbia, which is undergoing repairs at Pearl Harbor's dry dock. Christian Castillo was working on the base when the incident occurred. I heard a bunch of shots going off in the area, and uh, we were told by my chief to hunker down. This tragedy just three days away from the 78th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Generations of uh, locals have worked in that shipyard. This is certainly a tragedy uh, for everyone here. And four months after the mass shooting in El Paso, Texas, where 22 people were killed, we're learning new details about the anonymous hero who risked his own life to save the baby injured in the chaos there. Thanks to another man who recorded the video of the scene. Here's Azul Alvarez with the details. Lema Redondo was an unexpected witness to an anonymous hero rescuing a two-month-old baby after a gunman killed his parents. Now Lem is telling his story. It began as a normal day. I'm a local artist and my vehicle broke down so I had to take a different vehicle. He was heading to the Walmart in El Paso, Texas, a place that would become the scene of a bloodbath where a gunman killed 22 people in August. I arrived at the Walmart, which is the closest one to my house, to buy some paint, and when I arrived, I began to hear gunshots. The scene was horrific. And then I thought I should record everything. Are they still shooting inside? I heard a few gunshots. Gonna find out if she's alive. There's a person lying dead right there, sir, in a puddle of blood. In the midst of the chaos, he saw a person carrying something. At first, he thought the man was looting the store. Only after did he understand that the anonymous hero had saved a baby. I recorded several horrible things, and just before I stopped recording, I realized there was a person running towards me. I thought maybe he was carrying fruit, and I thought people are already looting the store. But as he got closer, I realized that he was actually saving an injured baby. Lem didn't know the men rescued the baby. He believed that afterwards, the men gave the baby to the paramedics. It was something that changed my life in many ways, just as it changed the lives of many people. Azul Álvarez, U News.
And now to the latest on a controversial proposal to photograph everyone coming in and out of the U.S., even American citizens. It's a system that would be installed at airports across the country, and some are sounding the alarm about the potential for invasion of privacy. Luis Mejid has more. Whether you're leaving the country or coming back home, the U.S. government wants to take your picture to make sure you are the same person you say you are. The use of facial recognition technology on U.S. citizens has privacy rights very concerned. The problem with fa using face recognition technology um, is that there are other ways to see when somebody is entering or exiting the country. For example, we have passports um, and the government hasn't shown a need. Actually, right now, some airports, including some airlines, are using the technology to verify the identity of the passengers. People have the option to ask not to be photographed, but for the majority, it doesn't seem to be a problem. Postal will make it now mandatory. The Department of Homeland Security says the idea is to prevent fraud and protect the nation from terrorism. Critics are not buying. It's a dangerous use of this technology. Um, face recognition is inaccurate, um, especially on people of color and women. And we also know that this technology um, is highly unregulated. And so we believe that there are other ways, rather than using this on every single person that's coming into or leaving this country, than using face recognition. Today is just a proposal, but starting next July, the plan will become a reality. In San Francisco, Luis Mejid, U News. Thank you, Luis. ICE agents searched a business in Illinois Wednesday morning. They executed a warrant at LNT Technology Services in Peoria. Officials say the search is related to a criminal investigation without providing more details. However, one agent said the operation was not an immigration raid. LNT Technology is a company based in India specializing in consulting and design services. Its clients include transportation and medical device companies. Five planes carrying Guatemalan migrants deported from the U.S. arrived Wednesday at Air Base in Guatemala. It is the largest number of people received by the Central American country in a single day. About three flights arrived daily, but this Wednesday, the number increased to five. More of your news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. And now to food news. Say it isn't so. The United States may soon face a French fry shortage. A Bloomberg report says cold and wet weather this year has stunted the growth of potatoes. And retailers rely on long potatoes to make French fries. But there's not enough of those to go around. Chef Jesus joins me now. Chef, what's the deal? I'm very concerned. I'm a huge French fry fan. What's going on? Well, you should be, Pam. Thank you for having me here again. So basically, the overall potato production in the U.S. is set to fall about 6.1%. Wow. Um, that's a pretty big number, you know, knowing that the U.S. is the fifth country in production of uh, potatoes. Um, the lowest since 2010. And some places might even raise the prices for French fries, like bars, produce, and frozen aisles at grocery stores. But I know you like your fast food once in a while, so <laughs> don't worry. 
because restaurants like McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's have their prices for French fries set for the year. Now, I know many may be curious, what's another substitute? Because I know if, if potatoes are not available, what else can we use in our kitchen to replace? Well, we can always make uh, sweet potato fries, you mm -hmm. know, uh, yeah. for the tater tots or, or the, you know, mashed potato. We can use boniato and malanga, which is a Caribbean type of potato. You, I know, okay, you know so a lot of potatoes. Panic. Yes, we have, we have <laughs> options also. Now, there's also French, this tortoise also is going to affect other potato-related products like mashed potato, you know, baked potatoes, tater tots? No, no, that's why I'm giving you that option of the sweet potatoes and, and the other type of, you know, of potatoes because it's only in the long potato that they oh, okay. usually use for French fries. So very so, specific very type of specific, potato. yes. And, and what they usually do um, when this happens, um, shortage either in potatoes, lettuce, products like that, is that they move their production centers to a different state. So they can okay. still, you know, trying to catch a better weather. For production. Right, so it's the weather and, and this weather that's affecting the shortest. Very interesting, so we learned something new. But do not panic, like Chef Jesus says, a lot of these fast food restaurants have their prices set, yes. so they'll be struggling. I'm yes. sure they're going to find a creative way to make up for this. Yeah, hopefully, and you'll have your papas a la huecaina like you're used to. <laughs> I'm proving, so I'm a huge potato fan. <laughs> we have over 4,000 different types of potatoes, so we're the capital of the potato, basically. So you know about the options. Yes, I sure do. Thank you so much, Thank Chef you, Jesus. I'm going to have some My of pleasure. That. I'll leave some for and you. And break the diet today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.